0: Hey, it's Karen Hunter from The Karen Hunter Show on SiriusXM Urban View. Here's a highlight from today's show. That was David Pepper with a whiteboard. We're going to tweet out the video so that you can see it for yourself because there's a visual that goes along with the audio. He's a former chair of the Ohio Democratic Party, uh, went to law school with Stacey Abrams. We're going to talk to him about that. Uh, Let's welcome to the show Mr. David Pepper. Hi.
1: Hello. Thanks for having me.
0: Thank you for, Sorry, for doing that. Sorry, we I'm so
1: long in that video.
0: Yeah, no, this it was it's why you're here. Um, <clears throat> as I look at the state of our union, and then I look at you do what you did with that whiteboard and the stats. I have one question: Why? Why was that important for you to do that?
1: Because, what drives me every day. And in this room is where I make some of these whiteboards. Is the parallel to this horrible history to today could not be more clear. Uh, What's happened, everything I describe in that video is very similar to the same kind of backlash we're seeing now. Whenever a diverse democracy in our country emerges and, and, and gets its way through elections, there's this fierce backlash. There's so many parallels to what I describe in that video, it should scare all of us. It scares me into action you know, one of the things I find most um, uplifting about the video is I just shot that on my own phone in this room and it's been viewed almost 400,000 times. Why? Because other people want to know this history and we learn so much from our history. That's why they're trying to censor our history, by the way. So uh, if you can't be motivated by this bleak history and how quickly you can lose democracy and all the lessons of how they lost it and how long you can lose it for, I don't know how else to get people active right now to fight back
0: my question was why do you care about you why what no why do you because i look at you yeah. Phenotypically, typically uh you are what they call a white man race is a okay. made-up construct race is a made-up construct race is a made-up construct but in this country whiteness drives the bus so you don't necessarily have a vested interest in the equality if you're ascribing to the whiteness that drives this bus. So, mm-hmm. so why do the whiteboard and, and ring, ring the alarm and tell everyone what's about to wow. happen?
1: You know, that's a, I'm sure I have my own thoughts, but there's something maybe deeper going on. I just, uh, it pains me so much to think about that history and what it meant for so many americans particularly black americans but for all of america but especially black americans to lose our democracy for a century and and i just am sort of i guess obsessed with exposing it and fighting back now I, i'm gonna um, ask it a
0: different way david Pepper. okay
1: I, i'm sorry i'm not no, no, no
0: don't apologize because i think okay. most of us are never, are never we never have to confront this right we never right. ask ourselves right. even what drives us to do these things right? right is there a relationship in your life like most americans are oblivious we had a caller call up tanya pinkins is in egypt we're talking about what's going on in these tombs he's going to tombs and he's talking about are there african americans on the on the on these pictures on the wall and i'm like race didn't exist thousands of years ago when they built these pyramids, this is a new concept to, right. you know, separate and denigrate folk for commerce, right? To build a system mm-hmm. on the backs uh, of enslaved black people. Right. For most Americans, they don't know the origin story, right? We, we were taught right. George Washington cut down that cherry tree. Can tell right. a lie? We built this great tom- democracy. We hold these truths to be self-evident, all men are created equal. and mm-hmm. And we go forward without right. even questioning, right? So for right. you to take time to know the history that most even black people don't know, and yeah. then go out and be a crusader to dismantle what's happening now so that we don't repeat yeah. history, I need to know what drives besides like I see my democracy crumbling because you're right. not gonna necessarily be harmed if it does.
1: Right. I mean, I think we all are, but I know what you're saying. Uh I, I am I am more I'm privileged in a way that I will not be as harmed as people living much closer to sort of, um, you know, the, the real world every day. You know, it's a great question. And I off, I'm i not asked it. You'll be glad to know. Uh, I, I just, the, the history so horrifies me. The mistreatment of, of folks for so long, the attempt to cover it up. And I let me be clear. I was a history major at Yale. I didn't learn this there. I was shocked later when I learned it. Like, my God, there was an entire diverse democracy in existence in the South, and they don't tell you that. People want to almost think that somehow, you know, there was a continuation from the Civil War, and all of a sudden in the 60s, we fought for civil rights, and we got, we got somewhere. And the truth is, no, there was a real democracy in the 1870s, and it was purposely destroyed when Black people became speakers of houses in Southern states or Congress people. And the, the fear of a diverse democracy led to not, you know, a slow improvement, but a destruction. And that uh, that intentional destruction is so disturbing to me that and it's, it does make me think of what started the minute Obama won, and the minute the Obama coalition, it, the Obama coalition was bigger than Obama. He symbolized it, but it was the breadth of a diverse democracy that led to people being in power in states all over the country, not just the presidency, but at all other levels, just like I described in the 1870s. And so th- th- honestly, the history horror is horrifying. The fact that I really wasn't schooled on it myself as someone who went to good schools and learned it later and thought, wait a second, I never was taught how much African-Americans were literally in office, walking around major buildings in the 1870s. Um, And I just think the destruction of that diverse democracy is such a cautionary tale that I I guess the wrongness of what happened, the lessons that we learned from it, the lessons of how it was allowed to fall apart. And one one thing I really, you know, you, you obviously know the name John Hope Franklin, a famous historian I quote in my book, C. Van Woodward. One of the things that I really want to stress anywhere I talk about this stuff is it is those historians point out that it's the lack of fighting for democracy that costs democracy. There always is a group fighting against democracy. There's always been a group fighting for white supremacy against a diverse democracy. They're always there. They win when the other side stops fighting. And so one of the points of, of the, and that's what scares me about today, the point of the 1870s and 80s story is, the federal government stopped fighting fighting for new black voters in the south they gave up they quit they cut deals the courts let it happen uh people started worrying about other things foreign policy economic issues and they stopped fighting and what worries me today is that's sort of what's happening and i'm very impatient with the fact fe- so the senate failed one time to pass that bill go back and do it again don't stop fighting because when they stopped fighting in the 1800s it cost us 80 years and it costs black people, especially, mm. eighty years of being participants. So I, I don't. I, I guess I still not getting your answer. But no, like, no, no, no. I'm horrified.
0: The fact if, the fact if that I'm you're... helping
1: communicate this because I'm a little different than most people, horrified. Wonderful. I hope that helps. The, but but uh, I just the, the, can't the a sort of hold you, back. I guess
0: the fact that you didn't have an answer and this is your knee jerk reaction speaks to you. You know the veracity and, and the purity of your your motives and your heart. So I'm good with you, you know you, you not taking that deeper dive into like what is motivating me eight six six eight zero one eight two five five. 801 8255 his name is david pepper and you can follow him li- literally at david pepper on the twitters
2: ty and i don't feel as bad to know that yale didn't give you a good education too that you were lied to at yale too so i don't have to feel like at the super elite schools, they teach you the truth, and then you just go out and laugh at the rest of us who are being told lies.
1: <laughs> I certainly didn't get the full the full picture till I just. Came. I'm, I'm a voracious reader of history, and and you know, the more you dig in, there's so much that we are teaching, and even worse, there's so much that people are trying to keep us from learning, which is is happening every day right now.
0: What do you think would happen if people knew this? I mean, you know, I had 128,000 registered v- Black voters. Um, during Reconstruction, that went down to 700 in one state. Uh, 61% turnout, we don't have that right now in this country among black people. Yeah. I think of Pinchback and, and Robert Smalls and all of the, the folk that went to Congress and the Senate and first yeah. governor of Louisiana. And then uh, not even 10 years later, all gone, threatened, afraid mm. for their lives, threatened with lynching, yeah. threatened with uh, you know harm to their family. They couldn't run anymore. And then that went down to 2%, you know, um, just in that short period of time. What does that, how do we, how do we not repeat history in your opinion? Because it is happening. I've had Jamie Harrison on every, he comes on once a month. We have these conversations. I feel like the midterms are going to tell us everything. But what I feel is going to tell us is that uh, it's teed up for Trump to win again. And I'm like, what does that mean as we, you know, with the geopolitical disaster that's going on with Russia and Ukraine? I mean, I just I'm not optimistic right now, Mr. Pepper. Give me some, something to hold on to. So
1: I'm so I'm an optimist, but I'm, I, I don't think we're going to solve the problem until we see that what the problem really is. Um, and and the also we are not everyone, but too many people are too overconfident in our democracy that, oh, it, it couldn't get destroyed here. And the reason I think this history is so important and and the reason I think people responded to that, that you know, more than any video I've done, that's the one that's gotten viewed the most because I think people think, oh my God, you can really lose it. And if that doesn't motivate you, now I, I also go through the book and my, you know, we mentioned Stacey Abrams. We need some best practices of who did what right. Well, she's our best example. So you can fight back and we have to fight back But that video is the lesson. Don't just think it's other countries that can lose their democracy. We had it here and it was lost when it was attacked and people didn't fight back. The other thing I think it shows us, and and I know it's been quoted out of context, but I worry that this saying that we all like so much, the the arc of the moral universe is long, but it bends towards justice. That feels, and I'm I'm an optimist, but that sounds like it's just some kind of automatic pilot towards justice. It's not. It has to be bent real hard. And the lesson that I teach in that video is, and it can go the other way for a century if you stop fighting. And so and, and so, I, I worry that when we watch in our own country, or too many people, my guess is your guests are not among them. We just assume it can't happen here. We assume, no, no, not in America. We're a democracy, right? And, and that. We're too sort of confident that we if, we. if another country were doing what our state houses in particular are doing, we would call it out as an attack on democracy itself, voting rights, attacks on courts, censoring history, censoring who gets to protest and who doesn't, um, on and on and on. If that were another country, we would say, my God, that country is falling away from democracy. But because it's America, we assume it can't happen here. That video is the proof It does not only can it, it has before and it will again if we don't figure it out real quick. And I think that's why I tell that story and why whenever I tell it, especially those who haven't seen that full history are like, wow, I didn't know that. I didn't realize there was a diverse democracy that was intentionally torn apart and it does wake people up. And, And then we can talk about all the things we have to do to avoid that happening again
0: which you do, uh, you chronicle, we're talking with David Pepper. He wrote a book, Laboratories of Autocracy, Autocracy, a wake-up call from behind the lines. Now, y- you were behind the lines. Wh- tell yes. us tell us some things from behind the lines. Matter of fact, I'm looking at the clock. We got a minute left. Can you stick around? Okay. And I know Tanya- Ty- yes. and questions. I got a question. Ty- can you ask you so oh, a question so he can ruminate on it? Day. We got time yeah. for your question and then he can ruminate okay. on the question. It- it's a
2: hypothetical question okay. um, because I believe um, if this question isn't solved, uh, 45 will be 47. So what will it? What would it take, hypothetically, uh, David Pepper, to indict 45?
0: Okay. All right. We're back. Tanya Pinkins is here. David Pepper is here. And before we went to break, Tanya asked a question about 45, 45. becoming 47. Yes. Go okay. ahead. You want to repeat it? those
2: yes my question was i believe that short of an indictment 45 will become 47 or choking on a chicken bone and so what would it take to indict him because ukraine that was a little iffy but that called a raffenberger that was pretty yeah straightforward unambiguous statement
1: yeah i mean i think he's got a lot of problems now again he this guy spent his whole life avoiding the accountability that he he's earned but I think between the prosecutors in Georgia and the Attorney General of New York uh, for his business practices, and ultimately, uh, hopefully the DOJ is moving, they need to move on what was done around January 6th. But my hope is one of those three, if not multiple ways, uh, ones of those three uh, do indict and in more, he's earned it. Uh, but I will say, and we talked about this in the break, I, um, to me, this is bigger than Trump. The attacks on on our voting rights, uh, began before the big lie, as you all know, long before the big, But before they were so upset about Barack Obama winning and the Obama coalition getting its way that these state houses were going crazy in 11. We saw it here in Ohio. Um, you know, birtherism be- began before Trump was president. All this was before the big lie. 2021 is an extension of the prior decade and an extension of centuries. And so my my worry is, with Trump gone it's next up folks they'll pick someone else that person may be savvier than Trump he may take more advantage of these undemocratic state houses than Trump did who was in the end too undisciplined to keep it all together so the, the way i think about it is we've got to get to a mindset of of not just never Trump but always democracy mm. always democracy in a way that it, it, back in the day it should have been it was never you know never Andrew Johnson. It was never Jim Crow. That should have been the fight. It's bigger than the person. It's about deeper institutions being locked up to suppress democracy, and that's the fight. We have to see it, and, and, and I know Karen has a Jamie Harrison on a few times. We have to see this as a broader battle for democracy. It's not just about a bunch of federal elections every couple of years. They are going for the jugular of democracy itself, and they're doing it through state after state after state because that's where democracy is shaped more than the federal government. And if the side that's for democracy doesn't wake up to that reality real soon, the other side's going to win this thing. And that's why I wrote this book I wrote. That's why I do this stuff every day. The side that cares about democracy and wants the, the, the wonderful, diverse democracy that America is today to be able to exist and exert itself through elections, we have to take the fight to state the state for democracy itself. Right now, we're too short-sighted. And we're too much about each cycle. And we only view a few swing states as where the battle is. The battle is everywhere.
2: So that's great. So Gary Chambers was on Karen's show. And Gary said, if the Democrats were serious, they should put their money in Louisiana and Mississippi, because there's three, four million people, black people in those states that they could win those states. They could flip those states. Why do you think they don't?
1: absolutely i mean we we are caught up in the world of thinking we the 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 side for democracy is caught up in the world of measuring everything by federal elections because again we assume democracy is intact so we think well all we have to do is win a bunch of federal elections and then we get what we want the other side is in the minority and they know it they know their worldview will not survive in a robust democracy Their game is not winning federal elections. It's winning. It's beating democracy. And so they're fighting in Louisiana and Mississippi and Ohio. They fight everywhere. They don't care if it's a swing state. They win everywhere. And so until we shift to that, we we put the money where the few federal races that are swing races are, and we leave everybody else out. And that means we leave rural uh, white America out. We leave rural black America out. We don't fight enough in inner city America because we think we've already won those. We have to be everywhere because the the game is on here for democracy itself. And only one side sees it that way. And until ev- until the other side sees it that way, we're, we're going to lose. It's like one team's on one side of the field all the time and the other isn't even there.
0: David Pepper, who's we?
1: When I say we, I'm talking about, again, I try and not say only Democrats, although I think it's mostly Democrats. I try and say there's a broader group of people. Now, the... the um, what are they called? The circles that overlap. Okay. Most Venn, of that group is, Venn, is going to be Democrats. Venn diagram, the Venn diagram. Yeah, I'm thinking of the Venn diagram. See, I, I, have a, I learned that at some point, but I clearly forgotten. it. Okay. The Venn diagram will be mostly Democrats, but I don't want to make this only about party because I think it needs to be bigger than party, although it's mostly Democrats who believe in democracy. But most of those people have assumed democracy is stable. And that's the problem. The other side not only does not think democracy is stable, they can't afford it to be stable. They only get their worldview accomplished if they undermine democracy, which is why they go for broke for state houses because that's where you undermine democracy. What would, and so, what would, go ahead.
0: What would you say if it if, if it's not about democracies? It's not a democracy. It's not about D's and R's, but it's about race. You started off saying Barack yeah. Obama was elected, and that's when it all started. Yep. Yeah. Right. And I'm going to say, I look at Canada, There're Confederate flags in Canada. How did that happen? That, that was, yeah. a, uh, it, you know, a lot of people are like, oh, Trump, if he wins, I'm going to Canada. Really? I saw Confederate flags yeah. being waved in Canada. Absolutely. I'm looking across the globe and I'm seeing a global wave. It's not just fascism. It's right. it's it's the wave of whiteness. And it, for them, Barack Obama representing this country sullied that office and it sullied America and they had divorced themselves from America on that day. And what they're fighting for is yeah. that relevance, that whiteness to be right. ruler over all things globally. Yeah. And until we can have that conversation, which I don't think most people are ready to have, which is why I asked yeah. the question I asked of you, like, why do you yeah. care, David Pepper? Right. Because I think that that's at the crux. Ds and no, Rs matter it. nothing. That's why you got Joe Manchin. He's a D. He doesn't act like a D. He acts like a dumbass. Not really. Let me not call him names. But he's not acting according to what we would think a person that's a Democrat would, would do because they would be fighting for certain things, right? So what is he right. fighting for?
1: Well, let me, let me say, I, and I go through this in the book I wrote, I think there are multiple things coming together, but clearly one of the dominant things is the a history of white supremacy with massive backlash when there's a, a, a diverse, you know, very large amount of that diversity being black Americans exercising the role through elections. But let me also not overlook another thing. There's also a lot of this is about money. And it's about big money getting a lot out of state houses that they want. And if you look closely, so much of what uh, the hardwiring of these state houses is to get a massive transfer of public assets transferred to private entities. Private, uh, you know, public schools are becoming for-profit online scams. Um, you know, tax trickle-down, sort of the Koch brothers view of the world. So I agree that race is a big part of that. I go through that book. And these things are sort of teaming up in this conspiracy of people, all of whom basically the one thing all these different groups have in common, the the far right social groups, the the right wing money groups, they all understand that they are in the minority in this country right now. And the only way, whether their goal is white supremacy or their goal is 1% get everything and 99% get nothing, they understand that they will not succeed in a robust democracy. They cannot, they, their worldview would lose if they were fair elections. And Fact. the victim of that is always going to be black voters because they're the part of the electorate that's leading to the broader coalition that we see leading to different policies that, that undermine what these people want. So I agree that white supremacy is a strain throughout.
0: Was, I'm sorry. Let me, I, I hate that term. I hate okay. It. White nationalism. I like white terrorism and white uh, nationalism. White
2: terrorism. So
0: I have a thing about the Canada thing
2: because some Californians were talking to me about this and I'd love to hear what you think, David. Some California friends were saying to me that the whole trucker convoy in Canada is is financed by, you know, dark money and um, that that convoy is on its way to California because California is going to be the battleground. If they win... The, the electorate in the in the in the USA and California says we're out, they can't run a U.S. United States if California suddenly mm-hmm. secedes from the union. So they got to hold California and they got to make California look like this liberal, hairy fairy kind of place so that they yeah. can hold that that state. What is your thought on that?
1: Yeah, I mean, obviously, that would be it. it, it and that's another key piece is we we and I'll say Democrats we only battle in the places that we think we're gonna win or that are darn close. They go anywhere. They go anywhere. Virginia was pretty blue. They didn't care. They went and won the governor's race the next year. Uh, so if, if they thought let's take advantage of, of opportunities in California, they tried to re- recall Gavin Newsom, right? Um, so yeah, they, they don't just play at the edges. I put this in my book. They have think tanks all over the country that are pushing right-wing ideas they have them in Vermont and Hawaii. They don't just go to their red states. Right. They go anywhere. They are playing a 50 game long game. And we Democrats, we play a swing state cycle by cycle game. And if they're doing what they're doing, we're doing what we're doing, Who's winning? Not us.
0: Right. And I I think there needs to be new new leadership or a new vision because the truth of the matter is Democrats and Republicans wax and wane depending on what's going on. The Democrats were the enslavers of the South uh, at one point and then now they're not, you know, and... You know, to me, D's and R's matter less than the ideology. And if we push that, what you were saying in the first place about democracy versus right. anarchy and fascism and all of this, if we make that the line instead of D's and R's, because most of us, I don't ascribe to either party.
1: Most That's of us why think when of you ourselves ask we, as ask I'll say Democrats, yeah. but I don't. I, to me, it's, it's yeah. the, the test going forward are you for democracy or aren't you? That's that what I care about. But the That's messaging is
0: not that, David. Yeah. You know that. Yeah. David Peppers here. His book is Laboratories of Autocracy, a wake-up call from behind the lines. And, you know, as you're talking, I'm also asking this question of myself. Did we ever have a democracy truly? Because everything that we've been taught about what a democracy yeah. is, this country never ascribed to it. You just broke it down.
1: Yeah. Uh, what I would say, and I saw John Meacham speak at something recently in the democracy that, that when it was perfected, at least, was post-Civil Rights, post-Voting Rights Act, when you finally had some level of voting. And, and I would say that the Reconstruction era where they really registered so many Black Americans who had been slaves, those were the high points. But I think when you look at the history, it's very hard to look at a lot of most of it and say, yeah, we really had democracy. The, the, the post-60s moment before the Southern strategy really took hold is clearly when we could have all stood together and said, okay, we're getting close at least. Um, And no surprise, because it's our history, the minute we get close, the backlash starts. And it's the same story. It's voter fraud. That's the beginning of it. That's what they said in the 1870s, 80s. It was voter fraud. That's what they said. As if these newly enfranchised Black Americans who were voting for the first time were all of a sudden figuring out how to vote fraudulently. Like, well, they weren't even the ones that had been voting before, but that was the theory then. That was the theory after Obama won. Um, And so whenever it's been close to being perfected and it truly represented the diversity of this country is when the, the backlash starts. And again, if you don't fight back, the backlash succeeds.
2: Okay. So America, you know, this constitutionist and this constitutional originalist, you know, France has had what, four
0: constitutions, Maybe we need a new constitution. <laughs> well, I would tiny, say, but, but we tell the world, this is the perfect government. How, why would you change a more perfect union, more perfect, uh, grammatically incorrect, but like, go ahead, David, I'm sorry.
1: I'd say, you know, the, the, the update to the constitution should not be the clauses, you know, the right to vote shall not be discriminated against for this reason. It should be, everybody has a right to vote. That amendment right there would get rid of almost all. The, and it, if it was enforced by a court, almost all the other problems would would, uh, would go away. Our constitution has been updated repeatedly. I mean, the 13th to 15th amendments was essentially a new constitution. The problem was the the right to vote was always framed in the negative, and and that and that was, by the way, that was after a lot of negotiation. That was a decision, and some regretted it at the time, but that would be the update that would eliminate so much of the problem, if it was the, every American has the right to vote and it shall be protected by the federal government, that would be the new constitution that would that would really curb so much of these issues. One other thing, by the way, in constitution, there's, and I put this, the risk of getting academic, uh, which I'm not an academic, there's also a clause in the constitution that says that the United States shall guarantee to every state in the union, a Republican form of government. And they meant then that, rep- that each state should, ha- should have a government that reflects the will of the people. So we don't have to rewrite that clause. We need to breathe life back into it. When Joe Manchin voted uh, to support the filibuster, to stop those acts, I believe he violated his oath to the Constitution to guarantee a Republican form of government in every state. He took an oath to the Constitution. He didn't take an oath to the filibuster. He took an oath to the constitution and in that constitution is literally language that appears nowhere else, that there is a guarantee that every state basically be small d democratic governance. And and to me, if I were in the Senate right now or any of these people, everything I did, I'd be saying, this is even bigger than individual voting rights. This isn't about a promise that whether you're in Louisiana or Alabama or Ohio, you are supposed to be a citizen in a functioning democracy in your state. Mm-hmm. And if you are not, the United States is supposed to do something about it. And that's what these bills do. And by the way, one great thing about that, the Supreme Court for a century has said, oh, if they're, if they're talking about the guarantee clause, that's a political question. We can't overrule that. That's a, that's something that Congress has the full authority to do. So, so I believe that there is, we need to get rid of the negative casting of the right to vote but the guarantee of democratic governance in states is something that that everyone in Washington should be lifting up and saying that's what we're doing when we protect voting rights. It's about democracy in states, just like we're protecting, trying to protect democracy elsewhere. We should be doing it in our own states.
0: David Pepper. So when you run for Congress. Yeah, I was going to ask him that. I've, but let's sent,
1: go. My, I've sent I've sent this to senators and said, please talk so about when it. Are when are you running? When are David?
0: you running? David? When are you running?
1: Well, I have run before in tough years. So, when my kids are a little older, I have a okay. five and a seven-year-old. All right. I'll be fair. back, and I'll, I'll announce it on your show. How about that's that? Fair.
0: That's fair. I appreciate that. Laboratories of Autocracy is his book. Let's go to Jazz in St. Louis. Uh, Jazz, you're on The Karen Hunter Show. David Pepper's here. Tanya Pinkins is here. Welcome. Hi.
3: Hey, thanks for taking my call. You guys have pretty much, Mr. Mister Pepper has pretty much left me speechless. Um, Let me try to gather my thoughts here. First of all, Karen, your last comment, you were dead on point. And not to try and regurgitate that, but the one thing that I worry about more than anything, and I agree, Mr. Mr. Pepper, I don't know why I want to call you David Copperfield, but Mr. Pepper, you ought to get your message out there stronger than you are now. And I think you need definitely run for office because you come across very convincingly. You make perfect sense. And it's like an aha moment for me. That being said, I was watching on HBO, I'm sorry, History Channel in the last couple of days. It was the history of um, Lincoln, which I've seen over and over. But this was done really well. And it showed you how Lincoln, although elementary history shows him as one who freed enslaved people, this documentary showed you how he 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 kind of evolved and he became who he is. And he did the right thing out of his, I mean, his, his God fear. And so he just evolved and how things evolved. But I look at that and I watch this and it's like, it could be going on right now. And Same. I had to kind of shake my head, but wait a minute, this was 160 years ago. Mm. And um, it's, it's, it's the politics today have kind of put us all against each other uh, as far as Race, economic levels, income levels, and if we don't do something soon, Mr. Pepper, you're dead on. We're going to lose this democracy. So I urge you to, you know, your kids are young, understand that, but you need to get out there because your message is clear, concise, and to the point, and you make perfect sense. And uh, thanks for being here. Very nice to say
1: that.
0: Thank you, Jack. Or at least be like David Axelrod or somebody. You know, like I, I, be the hey, puppet master. Be be I, you know,
1: I try. <laughs> something I literally wrote I wrote this book. I, I try and get it out there. I appreciate the nice comments. You know, one other thing I thought I think about all the time is you you just don't realize how quickly you can lose what we're talking about. When I was at law school with Stacey Abrams, and she clearly took classes I must not have taken and how to conquer the world um
0: she has a different
1: life experience
0: she's going through some things david pepper
1: but you know it was it was bedrock that the voting rights act was just established this was not this was 1997 maybe i was naive then but it wasn't like there was some big battle over whether or not we should have it it was just accepted as what we do and you remember back then you know even bush and reagan signed the darn thing to re-up it and so As the caller suggested, like that that we're going so backwards, even from 25 years ago, where there were certain things that we had made progress on that are clearly going the wrong way. And again, the lesson is like, don't get overconfident in your democracy. People are fighting against it. And the lesson we learned going back to John Hope Franklin is it's not about who's fighting against democracy, who's fighting against blacks participating in democracy. Those people are always there. And they're always there to fight that. It's about the strength of those fighting for democracy and for Blacks being full participants in democracy. If they fight hard, it happens. If they fight weak or give up, the other side wins. That is, that is the sad, but it couldn't be a clear history to our country that those two forces are always in tension.
0: Let's take one more caller. Uh, Renee in Zurich, Switzerland. See, David Pepper, oh, we are international. We Thank you, Jazz, for your call. Renee, welcome.
4: Hey, hey, sis. How you doing? Good. Um, Yes. Hello, Mr. Uh, Hello, David. Um, I wanted to just say this as an overseas voter. uh, um, The one thing that Obama did, which was amazing, was that he engaged his campaign, uh, directly engaged overseas voters. And I noticed that with Hillary and with, um, unfortunately, I'm kind of shocked that president biden didn't do this because there are over 8 million eligible voters u.s voters overseas and i I think that's also a battlefield where when the biden administration or you know when they the campaign when they start up again that they re-engage with us because the obama campaign we had they had an international chair with kim reed we could we had her phone number we could call her we could contact her for anything when he was in europe doing events we were invited uh like in berlin i was with him in berlin and i had all access to him and so it was amazing how that happened and so for me i'm hoping that the party will once again re-engage those of us who are overseas because democrats abroad we are daily registering people to vote all around the world. Mm, So I would hope that, um, that's my hope, since we see that they are putting up all types of restrictions um, in the states, this is a place where you can win back some of those votes. If you you you. just engage. Thank
1: Thank you guys. Thank you, Renee. Yeah, yeah. let me just jump on that. I 100% agree. So basically, a state almost as big as Ohio exists in overseas voters.
0: Mm-hmm. We
1: know that most of those voters actually are democratic voters. That's right. So it's one of the, in Ohio, the number of overseas Ohioans is the size of the city of Toledo. But the voter turnout of this group of people is, is like 10 or 20%. So it's one of the greatest untapped groups of voters in America. Um, there's a group called Democrats Abroad when I was the party chair. I tried to work with them closely. But I couldn't agree with your call or more. This is a massive untapped resource. I I, I know Jamie Harrison knows this. I'm sure he's working on that. But but it is harder to vote that way. But here's the other thing, especially when we're talking about things like Trump. These voters know more than in America how horrified the world is. I mean, you're you're probably seeing it, Tanya, yourself right now. People in, in all these countries are saying to Americans, what in the world are you doing? What are you allowing to have happen? You are the democracy. Now look at you. So these voters are more attuned to to how terrible things look than most people. And it's just inexcusable that we don't have close to 100 percent turnout among these folks, as Mm -hmm. opposed to uh, the last numbers I looked at. It's it's really low. And we're talking millions of people. And we know it's actually mostly Democratic voters. Not all, but mostly.
0: Well, Jamie Harrison will be back on the show on Monday. So I'm going to ask him about the overseas strategy. He'll know all about it.
1: Uh, and there is an organization <laughs> that's doing it, but they should, every group, every state should have overseas Ohioans. Oh, and they, they do have this, but it needs to be more organized because mm-hmm. it's a, there's not a lot of low hanging fruit in politics. This is one of them. This is one that's, of
0: them. Actually, there's a lot. <laughs> and I well, think that the, the Democratic Party has dropped the ball all, every chance they got. They dropped it, kicked it and uh, fumbled it and uh, enough already because it's too much at stake. And for me, it's not about D's and R's. It's about humanity and living uh and really you know our lives kind of depend on some things happening uh differently uh uh, in 2022 and 2024 but david pepper you're going to be in the trenches and we're going to keep having a conversation with you and we thank you for being here laboratories of autocracy we tweeted it out we tweeted you out please come back when you announce that you're running for the senate all right will do hey thanks
1: guys (laughs) have a great afternoon
0: nice to Uh, be on your show
1: take care bye-bye all right